And welcome once again to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. If you're not left, excuse me, if you are left, you just ain't right podcast. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, eating the most, I was snacking on the most addictive substance on earth to me. Trail mix with, uh, let's see, like chocolate chips, peanut butter chips, white chips, some peanuts, uh, golden raisins dried cranberries it is phenomenal how good this is but anyway it's one of those things you just can't stop you get like a handful next thing you know a third of the bag's gone uh one of those things let's get right into the stuff here folks sad note to start uh those of you who know me um know me for a long time through the blog I do watch professional wrestling. I'm entertained by it. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if you say, well, it ain't real. Guess what, Ace? That Clint Eastwood movie, it's not real either. That uh, love story, not real either. Actors, actresses. But uh, one of the really, one of the best wrestlers, one of the best tag teams are the uh, Briscoes. Uh, Not their real names, uh, but Jay and Mark Briscoe. Uh, Jay Briscoe was killed last night in an apparent uh, car crash in Delaware. Uh, really, really good tag team. Very entertaining guys. They've been at it a long time. And he was only 38. And uh, it's just sad. Really sad to see somebody who's so accomplished at something. And believe me, you've got to be able to act. You've got to be to the physicalities. you got to know the moves. you got to know, you got to know how to make it look like you're beating the living hell out of someone and they're beating the living hell out of you, but they're really not. Uh, so rest in peace to him and, and condolences to his family. It's just, it's just a sad thing. Only 38. Uh, Jay Briscoe, rest in peace. Now let's start off, my friends. With a story about a hockey player for the Philadelphia Flyers, Ivan Provorov. You've probably never heard of him. If you watch hockey and and, uh, a fan of the Flyers, I'm sure you know who he is. He's a defenseman for the Philly Flyers. Uh, But he has cited his Russian Orthodox religion as the reason he did not participate in something. That happened in pregame warm-ups when the team wore pride-themed jerseys and used sticks wrapped in rainbow pride tape. Okay, first place, that really, that's kind of childish for hockey. Hockey is a different sport. The NHL has been the least woke of all the sports leagues, as far as I can tell. So I would prefer them to stay unwoke and just stick to hockey. Um... But, again, he's this uh, gentleman, Provorov, has decided to kind of stick up for himself, take his religion, wear it on his, his heart on the sleeve, so to speak, and say, no, I'm not doing it because you know what? <laughs> uh, no, it's it offends my religious beliefs. Uh, the 26-year-old boycotted the pregame skate with his teammates before Tuesday night's game against Anaheim as the Flyers celebrated their annual Pride Night in celebration and support, excuse me, of the LGBTQ plus uh, minus division sign, time sign, uh, whatever, uh, community. He played nearly 23 minutes in Philadelphia's 5-2 to two victory. 
He says, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. I think you said enough. I think you said uh, all you needed to say, quite frankly. And good for you. Uh, Flyers coach John Tortorella, who's been around the NHL a long time, one of the great co- – he won a, a Stanley Cup championship with my Tampa Bay Lightning, my hometown Lightning, back in 2004. Uh, he's, he's been a great coach. He won another a Stanley Cup with someone else. I'm trying to remember who it was exactly. Uh, but he's been around a long time, and he's a guy who doesn't put up with any BS. Okay? He's the, if you don't want to play, you don't want to do what I tell you to, you can take your ass to the locker room, get dressed, go home. I don't care, but you're not going to play. So he doesn't take any crap. And he said Provorov was true to himself and true to his religion. Thank you, coach, for not going woke. Now, of course, I'm sure Tortorella doesn't care. He cares. He doesn't want to get fired. He loves coaching. But he's probably a person that says, you know what? I've been around a long time. I've only got so many years left, and if I die on this hill, I'll die on this hill, but I'm not doing something for the wrong reasons, and he deserves to be credited for that. He continued, it's one thing I respect about Pravi. He's always true to himself, and of course, I'm sure there will be much angst and aggravation and frustration and condemnment of this bigot who dared not take part in... uh, Wrap your stick in in gay wrapping paper, whatever it is, the rainbow paper. Uh, Again, what you are personally, how you live your life, who you sleep with, it's none of my damn business. I don't want it to be any of my business. So quit trying to make it my business. There's something extra or extra irritating about somebody that they know you don't care, whatever their cause is or their religion, their faith, whatever. But they've got to tell you anyway, and then they get offended when you don't embrace it somehow. I don't care what it is. I don't want to hear about your religion. I don't want to, and, and if you want to tell me, hey, I go to this great church, you ought to come sometime. Great. That's fine. I appreciate it. I may or may not. If you want to tell me about some uh, uh, pride week somewhere and, and you take part in it and you want to invite me to watch the parade, I probably won't do it, but I don't take offense at it. But when you try to hammer me and shame me and sort of intimidate me or anyone else into doing it, screw you, basically. So good for the hockey player. Provorov, you done good, son. Stick to your gun. Stick to your faith. You will Your faith, you will not go wrong. Now let's talk about... Uh, Something that really is pretty upsetting. MRC TV has a story. P. Gardner Goldsmith. Documents reveal that the FBI and the ATF have been monitoring, very listen very closely, monitoring law-abiding gun buyers through the federal background checks. That doesn't sound like uh, the proper role, does it? That doesn't sound you do a background check, you pass... You buy your weapon, you take it home, and that's whether you've had a background check you passed. There's no reason for the law enforcement to look at you at all. This isn't. Uh, 
Uh, now, Goldsmith writes, if one were to draw a Venn diagram, the circle representing Americans who protest the immoral and constitution-insulting national instant criminal background check system, known as NICS for short, forced onto gun buyers and, quote, federal, fi- uh, federal firearms licensed gun shops, known as FFLs, likely would be congruent with the inner circle representing Americans who rightly decry the equally immoral and constitution-insulting federal mandate that gun dealers get licensed in the first place. Uh, Both circles are small, but thanks to their diligence, we have new information on shocking and unwarranted federal surveillance of gun buyers. Not a background check, but apparently surveillance of gun buyers. That should scare you, and it should scare you whether you've ever owned a gun in your life. Because this goes beyond the Second Amendment. This goes to a lot of things. Uh, Thanks specifically to the long-established and tireless work of Gun Owners of America and its team securing FBI and ATF documents through Freedom of Information Acts, Act filings, rather, exclusive report from the Epic Times' Emily Miller. Emily Miller writes a lot about guns. I think she used to work for the Houston Chronicle. Don't quote me on that. I think it was that. She's she's a very nice lady and very smart and does a good job reporting on firearms, and among other things. She's an actual journalist. A rare breed these days, but she is an actual journalist. Uh, this is what she wrote. Hundreds of pages of documents produced to gun owners of America from a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit show ATF agents telling the FBI to daily monitor specific people through the federal background check system uh, when they lawfully purchased guns. Now, this criminal activity is not abstract, and yes, it is criminal. Not hypothetical. It has been uncovered as a consistent long-term, extrajudicial, constitution-defying, day-to-day practice that has a direct impact on real people. Maybe you and you don't even know it. Maybe me and I don't even know it. Uh, Miller continues, the records show dozens of ATF agents requesting the monitoring of law-abiding people through the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check System, The FBI calls this secret system with the ATF the NICS Monitoring Service. Uh, This is a manual. Daily check, listen closely, daily check of firearm sales to see if a specific person buys a gun. So you go to buy a gun, are you a person that for some reason someone there thinks you should be monitored? I don't, I don't like that feeling that would give me. I don't think you did either. I don't think anybody should. I don't care if they're, they hate guns. This ain't about guns necessarily. It goes deeper than that. And it should scare the living hell out of you. And you, and you, all you folks listening to this, you should be pissed and you should be afraid. And you should be angry, yes. Uh, so this is what Miller writes. They are basically tracking, without a warrant, every gun purchased by these people. Uh, Rob Olson, who's an attorney for Gun Owners of America, told the Epic Times, there's no legal process here. At best, this is highly questionable, if not outright unlawful. 
And she adds a spokesman for the ATF declined to comment. The FBI did not respond to a request for comment either. Some Americans who read or hear this information might find that their nervous systems and even their sense of moral outrage are not as engaged as they previously might have been. After all, in April of 2021, Land, Gun Owners of America, and other vigilant gun rights groups revealed that contrary to the Fed's claim that the NICS background checks are not stored, in fact, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives uh, was keeping the information alive for 10 years after the purchase. At one time, Ammo Lynch, John Crump, wrote this, the monitoring of NICS isn't for prohibited people. It is for monitoring people that are not prohibited from buying a firearm. So they're not checking to see somebody who's failing a background check and, and going and getting that person for trying to commit a felony, or actually committing a felony, I suppose, no, this is about people who pass the test, who haven't broken any laws, who are walking, talking, uh, law-abiding people. Okay? It is for monitoring, let me repeat that, it is for monitoring people that are not prohibited from buying a firearm, but, oh, the butts in the room now, the ATF suspects might be committing a crime in the future. What was that Tom Cruise movie about the people? They would go to the future, I think. I never saw the movie. But they would go go see what happened in the future and, and deal with it because they knew what somebody was going to do or thought they knew. Uh, I saw bits and pieces. I never finished it. Not a bit, not the biggest fan of Tom Cruise movies, basically. Uh, he's only five foot tall, you know, or five four or something. So you think about that. Think about that. You might commit a crime. They think you might, so therefore they have a right, they believe, to, to monitor every time you buy a firearm. <laughs> uh, I don't see that anywhere in the Constitution. I bet you can't find it either. Now, the person will being monitored, very important part, the person being monitored will not be notified of the surveillance the object of the monitoring is to catch people who are committing straw purchasers, purchase, purchases or similar crimes. Now, straw purchases need to be dealt with. When you, when you lie on the, on the form you fill out to buy a, a firearm, rifle, shotgun, pistol, whatever, when you fill out that form and ask you, if you are the purchaser and will be, that will be your gun, basically. So you do commit a crime if you lie, if you're getting it for someone else, your neighbor down the street or something. And only an idiot would do that. Uh, only an idiot or a straw purchaser. Uh, but this goes beyond that. This is just, I think this person might be, so therefore, well, what if you're not? And so the government monitoring your purchases because they think you're buying too many or you're buying one too often or you, you'll go a period and, and not buy farms and you'll buy several all at once, maybe multiple guns, who knows? So you don't have to break the law to get on the list to be surveilled. You just have to go legally purchase a firearm. 
Yeah, problematic. I wonder where the ACOU is on this. Uh, let me see. The new information sheds light on the vast scope and sheer criminality of this patently unconstitutional breach of the Fourth Amendment's requirement that any government agent interested in searching a person or place must get a public warrant from a judge. Remember those days? You had to go get a search warrant from a judge. The judge had to think it was good reason. Okay, you can search this uh, this premises or this car, whatever. It was very much a constitutional thing. Now it's a, well, we've been monitoring someone. Did you have a warrant? No, but uh, we're monitoring them. So again, that should terrify you. Doesn't mean everyone being, being surveilled is a good person. But it means that a whole lot of good people who are doing nothing wrong are being watched every time they buy a gun by the government. And if that doesn't bother you, uh, I don't know what your problem is. I'll be honest. Got to be honest with you, my friends. So keep your eye on that story. It's very important stuff. It really is. And since we're talking about guns, let's go to the reload. Stephen Gutkowski writing. Great writer on Second Amendment, firearms, all those types of things. Uh, a true credit to his profession. I'll say that. Uh, Wells Fargo, you've heard of them. They're a bank. Yes, I have a, a relative who banks at Wells Fargo, loves them, brags about their customer service. Um, I almost opened an account at Wells Fargo back in Texas. Uh, but when I went in, I told them I was here to open an account and had some checks to deposit and all that, go through all that opening account. And uh, you know, I sat down, no one else there. About 10 minutes after I came in, someone else came in, got their stuff filled out, and, and they called in before me, and I said, hey, I was here. I mean, you know, I didn't make a huge scene, start screaming. But the lady said, oh, yes, you were, but I'm sorry, he's already in. I'm, really? So I literally went, like, uh, right across the street to Comerica and opened an account there, had one for years. I don't anymore because there's no Comericas around here. Uh, but a Wells Fargo, not a, but the Wells Fargo, the entire banking system, they, uh, apparently they're not, they're not really down with the second amendment because Wells Fargo has canceled prominent Florida gun dealers accounts. It implies that it will not work anymore with gun companies. So I guess a bank has kind of a right to not do business with you, but to declare an entire industry that is thriving and there's a lot of money involved and it's completely legal and above board and constitutional, that they're just not going to deal with it. Uh, Wells Fargo abruptly ended its business with a well-known gun dealer in a move emblematic of the increasing hostility big banks are showing towards the firearms industry. This involves Visa, MasterCard, American Express. They're being pressured to basically, they'll get, you get your credit card, or if it's a bank, you get a debit card, and you decide to go shopping, you go to a gun store, you find the gun you want, you do the background check, and then your, the, uh, your bank or your credit card company will not approve that sale. Not because you don't have the money, but because they don't like guns, basically, which is... 
Well, there's a lot of words I would use to describe it. Most of them are, are quite obscene, so I'll, I'll, I'll restrain myself. With little explanation, the bank closed the business, business and, listen closely, the business and personal accounts of Brandon Wexler just before Christmas. What a wonderful time to do that to somebody right before Christmas. Uh, after 25 years with a personal, 25 years with a personal account. Imagine banking with Wells Fargo or any banking. And you've been there 25 years with a personal account, 14 years with your business account. I mean, this is a long-term relationship. Part of the backbone of America. Wexler was given about a month to find a new bank. I guess that's his, uh, that's the, the 25 years for banking with his thank you card. 25 years. It's been great. Now go yourself. Uh, Wexler was given about a month to find a new bank. As owner of Wex Gunworks in Delray Beach, Florida, Wex has been cited in countless major media reports for years. But Wells Fargo said his business has suddenly become just too risky. Well, has he missed payments? Has he, have you had issues with him? Or is it just because he has a gun store? And again, if, if there's issues with his with his business account, why would that affect his personal account? Or is it that Wells Fargo is just run by anti-gun bigots and hoplophobes? I think we know the answer. Uh, let me see. Wells Fargo performs ongoing reviews. This is their explanation of its account relationships in connection with the bank's responsibilities to manage risks in its banking operation. Okay, so if someone doesn't bounce checks, doesn't have overdraft, doesn't have any problems, why, why is this guy and his business a risk? Just because he, again, he sells, he sells guns at a gun store. So apparently, not only his business account, but his personal accounts. That's, uh, that's pretty damn un-American, if you ask me. So Wells Fargo said it performs ongoing reviews uh, of account relationships in connection with the bank's responsibilities to manage risks. He said that in December 22nd letter to Wexler, we recently reviewed your account relationship and as a result of this review, we will be closing your above referenced accounts. So I don't know what he supposedly did. Another letter sent the following day informing Wexler that Wells Fargo was canceling his business line of credit said the reasons for this action is... Banking guidelines excludes lending to certain types of businesses. Sounds like discrimination. Hmm. Uh, but the letters offered no further details, and Wexler said none of the officials at his local branch offered any either. That's just great customer service. That's part of the screw you package if you if you have a gun store, apparently. I've been with him for 25 years, he told the Reload. I'm a professional fireman. I do everything the right way. It's messed up. 
Wexler, who has been cited in stories by the New York Times, Washington Free Week, and CNN, ABC, and many more publications, said nothing had changed with his business. He said he believed the move by Wells Fargo was motivated entirely by animus against the gun industry. It feels like it's a direct attack against gun dealers. This all just happened recently, and we have been in business for many years. I've never, ever seen anything like this. Well, uh, sadly, uh, I fear we're going to see more of it, my friends. And if you happen to own a gun store, I don't know. Because apparently not only will they shut you off, they'll shut you off your personal account. Lines of credit, gone. Hmm. Sounds like... uh, Sounds like something very cowardly, despicable, and underhanded. In other words, something very, very leftist in nature. Uh, let me see. Now, Jennifer L. Langen, who's the head of communications for CSBB and consumer lending at Wells Fargo, disputed Wexler's claim that the closures were due to his work as a gun dealer. Based on our analysis of the risk associated with this customer, we made a decision to close the accounts. Our decision is not based on the industry. So again, I don't know the man's personal situation. I can't, maybe there was something else going on. Maybe Wells Fargo would never do anything like they're being accused in this piece of doing. But uh, Stephen Gutkowski, I, I trust him as a journalist. And I know I've seen increasing hostility from banks and financial institutions toward you buying guns or having a gun store, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, the lady at Wells Fargo said they could not disclose the details behind the decision, but reiterated that Wells Fargo has never announced a policy against doing business with gun companies. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, which represents gun makers and dealers, said what happened to Wexler is part of a growing trend. Wells Fargo decision to abruptly cancel all business ties with Wex Gunworks is the most recent example of, quote, woke banking discrimination against the firearm industry. That's from Mark Oliva, an NSFF spokesman. That's what he told the reload. The nation's largest banks have been actively cutting ties with gun makers and dealers for years in an attempt to force the industry to stop selling firearms, such as the popular AR-15 that, exec- that executives disapprove of Americans owning. Again, financial racism is what we're talking about here. Basically, financial discrimination. The effort was initiated as part of a, an Obama administration program known as, you probably heard this before, Operation Choke Point, where regulators pressured financial institutions not to do business with disfavored industries, including the firearms industry. After the program was exposed and discontinued, behemoths like Citibank and Bank of America still enacted policies against working with companies that make or sell certain guns or ammunitions. And unbelievable, rather. Go read the rest, my friends. And get angry. And raise hell if you bank with Wells Fargo, or whoever you bank with. You need to go talk to them and say, hey, what's up with this? I want to know. And take steps to protect yourself. Again, 
Wells Fargo may have a different story. There may be different facts, but I do trust Stephen Gutkowski when he writes something. So read that from the reload. Uh, I believe it is a subscription site. I may be incorrect, but it is, uh, it is good stuff on there. And uh, make sure you check up on that. That's pretty scary. Pretty terrifying stuff, really, it is. And now, the feature story of the day, my friends. Uh, a, a man named Caron Nazario, who was at the time a, a lieutenant in the United States Army, had filed suit against uh, police in Windsor, Virginia, for all sorts of things, hurting his feelings, expecting him to comply with reasonable orders they gave, expecting him to step out of his vehicle, which they asked repeatedly. Eventually, he was pepper sprayed and uh, taken out of the vehicle. He was handcuffed, I believe. Uh, they also explained quite diligently why they had had to remove him by force. Uh, because he wouldn't refuse to get out of the truck, refuse to do what they asked. And he was so scared and, and, and terrified of the police because he's black and Latino. He was so terrified that he took his sweet time setting up his phone or camera, whatever it was, to record the whole incident. I mean, when I'm scared and nervous about something, I make sure I set up a camera very, very carefully and painstakingly to get the best views of, of of what's happening so I can, well, so I can sue later and get a million dollars, which is what he was wanting was a million dollar settlement. He got a little less than $4,000. He didn't deserve that. I'll be honest. I watched this whole thing on video right after it happened. And it was agonizingly painful how long this whole episode took. Basically, he's in a black SUV, dark windows. It's at night. He gets pulled over because the tag on his vehicle doesn't match what's supposed to be there. So the police had a very legitimate reason to, to pull him over. He pulls into, he goes a little ways finds a gas station, pulls in right by the pumps, the big lights are. They pull in behind him. And again, because dark windows all rolled up, the police do not know what's in that van. Who? Or the SUV, rather. They don't know who there, how many's there. They don't know anything. Okay? So they ask him to step out of the vehicle. And all he can say is, what's going on? Very... Very nonchalantly, he's so scared, he's so terrified. He's taking his time setting up his camera the whole time because he's got to go. He's got a court date. He sees this dollar signs already dancing around this punk's head. But he takes all this time, refuses to get out, refuses to get out, refuses to get out, refuses to get out. The officers have drawn their guns because again, they have no idea if someone else is in that vehicle. And cops, believe it or not, do get shot. They do get killed by bad guys. And if they're careless, their risk of getting shot by a bad guy goes up. So they're doing their due diligence to protect themselves. All he had to do at any point, if he would have stepped out, opened his door, put his little footsies on the ground, 
with his hands up, he would have had no problems. He would never have been handcuffed, never been pepper sprayed, never have been treated roughly, never been talked uh, talked mean to. They talk mean language to him. None of that would have happened, and he would have gone on his way. And by the way, after all this is over, they they took painstaking effort to explain why they had to get him out and he was very understanding they didn't even give the guy a citation didn't give him a ticket didn't give him anything they were extremely kind to him extremely level-headed okay to an outsider who doesn't know anything about law enforcement or reality it might look like the cops were being dicks to him but you know what they have no idea all those rolled up windows in that SUV. They have no clue who's in there. They have no clue that someone might jump out and start firing at them. But again, eventually he had to be pepper spray because he wouldn't comply over and over. They asked, I don't remember how many times. Just get out of the vehicle. And he wouldn't. Look, if a cop pulls you over, comply they weren't asking him placing him under arrest they didn't attack him but he still wanted his million bucks because race pimping is a way to make money now interesting side note about this fellow i've heard from two different sources he was a cousin of eric garner if you remember eric garner in new york i can't breathe remember the, the gentleman that died sadly and uh, because he was allegedly put in a chokehold by the police. The really disturbing part, thing about that story, the video of it, the guy was committing the heinous crime in New York City, armpit of America, New York City, the heinous, heinous act of selling loose cigarettes, thus depriving New York City where greedy leftist bastards live and govern. Robbing them possibly of a few cents of taxation money. And they, you don't mess with their taxes. You're going to pay. This is a place that if you have an NFL contract per se, or NBA contract, NHL, a big sports contract, and your team plays a game in the state of New York, they want to tax you. They want to hit you with state income taxes for the money on the game you played. That's how greedy and grubby handed these, these, thugs are in New York and they went after Eric Garner with all kind of cops it should have been very simple one police officer or two should have gone and said look man you're not supposed to be doing this here's a citation for selling loose cigarettes there there's a number to call there's a fine to pay or you can you can set up a court date but this doesn't need to happen instead of a bunch of cops surrounding a guy for selling loose cigarettes and it ended up with his death. And I don't think the cops tried to kill him or intentionally killed him. But that's when greedy politicians, that was who was to blame for that whole incident. Not good police officers. The cesspool city and the greedy grubbers of New York. The leftists that live there that think every damn penny you have in your pocket belongs to them somehow. But back to uh, Caron Nazario, the, oh, the victim. He was treated so incredibly well by the police. He really was. He was in his 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 army fatigue uh, fatigues, I guess it'd be. Oh, he was treated very respectfully. 
the one creating all the drama, all the stress, all the strife, the whole time was not the police. It was him, but he still thought he could get money. Uh, sued for a million dollars. Here's the story from MSN.com. A black soul, notice how they started. The first important thing you need to know is that this is a black soldier. See, they're planting seeds of racism already. A black soldier in uniform who was pepper sprayed in his car by Virginia police officers during a traffic stop has been awarded less than $4,000 in a million-dollar lawsuit against those two officers. So obviously the, the police have to be guilty, have to be racist, and they have to be guilty of targeting this poor man. No, they pulled him over for a legitimate reason. And if he would have just complied and been a sensible adult about it, nothing bad would have ever come in any way. And still, after all of that, they were as nice as they could be to the man after it. As nice as they could be, the police were. Uh, the jury awarded 2nd Lieutenant Karan Nazario a total of $3,685 uh, and apparently a lifetime supply of Kleenex. In the lawsuit against Windsor, Virginia police officers, uh, Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Cracker, the officers faced four counts, assault, battery, false imprisonment, and illegal search. Well, I didn't see any battery. I didn't really see. I saw them eventually have to pepper spray the guy because he wouldn't get his ass out of his car. Dude, seriously, if you were right about it and you would have just stepped out and said, I don't think this is right, I don't think what you're doing is legal, you'll hear from me in court, but get your ass out of the vehicle, you wouldn't have the problems. And you might have won a, a better case. Instead, you exposed yourself, Mr. Nazario, Lieutenant Nazario, for the shameless bottom-feeding race pimp you are, Mr. Crybaby who was so scared, he was so scared, that he took his sweet time setting up his camera to record it. Because when I'm scared, I make sure a camera's set up to record it. Uh, Gutierrez was ordered to pay $2,685 in damages, no malice, under liability for assault. He was cleared of all the other charges. Crocker was liable for an illegal search, again with no malice, he was ordered to pay $1,000 in damages. He was cleared of all other charges. In other words, there was no there, there. Now, Nazario's lawyer, Tom Roberts, said it was a sad day and that verdicts failed to send the message to other police officers that this conduct is unacceptable. What conduct is that? Being nice? Being careful? Protecting your own lives and safety? Asking someone to step out of a vehicle? Is it wrong to pull somebody over for having a tag that doesn't belong on their vehicle on their vehicle? Is it wrong to eventually, after threat, after threat, after threat, to pepper spray somebody who's not complying to pepper? Is that wrong? Is there no responsibility, Mr. Roberts, for the individual to not put themselves in that situation and just comply? If there's a problem, legally bring it up later. But no, Mr. Zario's got dollar signs. 
it is open season on citizens in Virginia across the country, Robert said in a statement. Citizens will not rest assured that scenes like this are not repeated with impunity. Anybody who says that seriously, if they saw the video, the whole thing, the whole lengthy video I saw of it a couple days after it happened, you would think nothing of it because there was really nothing there. The only agitator was uh, Azario. Uh, now, the officers pulled over Azario on the evening of December 5th of 2020. Body camera footage showed Gutierrez pepper spray Azario when he would not get out of the car. Again, very misleading. He asked him, I don't even remember how many times he was asked. Step out of the vehicle, step out of the vehicle, over and over and over and over. This 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 writer here puts it as if uh, Nazario was pulled over. Uh, they asked him to step out, and as soon as he didn't, they started pepper spraying him. Completely false. One of the officers wrote in the police report that Nazario el eluded police because he did not stop right away. That might have been unfair from the officers. I don't know. He... He was claimed he waited on a well-lit area to stop. Again, not a bad idea. Cops want you to pull over as soon as you can, safely. Again, that's that's a gray area. Not even going to touch that. Uh, I, I'm honestly afraid to get out, Nazario said during the traffic stop. Yeah, you should be, Gutierrez replied. I don't remember hearing that audio. Now, I may have forgotten. I may have forgotten. I'm not saying it's not true. Uh, police said they pulled him over for not having a visible rear license plate, but in the footage, a temporary license plate can be seen in the rear window of the Nazario's then new SUV. Nazario got no charges from all that. Gutierrez was fired uh, by Windsor Police Department in 2021 for not following department policy during the incident. So he paid with his job. Okay, if he did something wrong and get they got rid of him completely legitimate. Uh, but this story does not represent what happened. And I hate when, when the media does that. They'll show a little bit, they show the worst possible angle and audio for seemingly always for for the police and the best for the quote victim, who's often not a victim, who's often a thug who was shot at cops, lunged at cops, tried to fight the cops, tried to stab cops, etc., etc. I firmly believe this was uh, uh, Lazario trying to create something where he could get a payday out of it. I think that's exactly what it was. Once he got pulled over, his first thought was, oh, I can record this and the cops will do something and I'll sue. Especially if I don't comply. So look, if you get pulled over and a cop says, please step out of the vehicle, step out of the damn vehicle. If if he's abusing his power and you can prove it, you'll have your day in court. Good for you. Because we don't need cops that abuse their power at all, ever. But if you can prove it, fine. But why do you make it worse on yourself and everybody? How many people who are shot by cops? It begins right here. It, that's where it begins. And the cops never know. That's the thing about getting out and showing you're not a threat. That's the reason that I tell you, common sense will tell you, if a cop's standing by your door 
and you start reaching crazily in the console or in the, in the glove compartment or under the seat, guess what? That cop is going to have to assume you're trying to gain access to a weapon. And it may get you shot. And basically, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. What is a police officer supposed to do? Wait till you shoot them and then return fire? No. I've seen too many uh, videos. I remember distinctly an older white guy looked like he was maybe in his 60s, 50s, or 60s. Uh, I believe he was in a pickup truck. The, the cops were talking to him. He seemed fine. He's kind of joking with him, very cordial. Next thing you know, he pulls out a revolver. And yeah, he was shot and killed. But him drawing that pistol came literally out of nowhere. The last person you'd ever suspect. And I've seen too many where the police uh, weren't, uh, some people might say assholes. They weren't asshole enough and they got shot. Because they trusted somebody a little bit. And when you're dealing with people you don't know, you have to understand cops' lives are at risk. Most interactions between police and, and people who are pulled over, peaceful, lawful, and no problems, no issues. The media will never tell you that. Doesn't sell, that's no clickbait there. There's no headline sellers there. Most of the time, it is uh, almost almost non-existent how many times there's a problem once somebody is pulled over by police. Almost never, statistically speaking. But again, that happens millions of times each day. Again, the media will never focus on that. The media seemingly is always going to go against cops and make it look as bad as they can uh, against the cops. And again, and again, we see the same thing, my friends. The same things. And from Nazario's behavior in a video, if you're able to watch the whole thing, to me, the first thing I thought of when I watched it, and I've written a lot about these types of incidents, first thing I thought of was he's trying, he's he's trying to uh, to get the cops to do something so he can sue. That was my first thought. I still believe it to be true because while he was saying he was really scared, Nazario was acting completely nonchalant, completely. And again, it's. It's unfortunate anything ever bad happens when someone gets pulled over. But if you use your common sense, even if you think the cop's being a jackass, there's a place later to settle that in court legally. Okay? Call a lawyer. Say, I was treated this way and take him to court. You're perfect, right? I will never criticize anybody for doing that. This, however... This, I think, uh, when this gentleman was pulled over Nazario, I think he uh, first sound he, he heard was cha-ching, frankly. And that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And guess what? I'm done. I'm finished for the day. I will talk to you tomorrow, which is Thursday, the day after hump day, the humped day. Yeah, that one never works out either. God bless you, my friends. If you're left, you just say, right, God bless America. And yes, go Gators. And a quick thing to say to Gator fans, some of you are really, really pissing me off. We have a new coach. He's been there one year. He inherited kind of a mess. All right. 
Uh, you might want to go back and look at Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. I th- believe they got beat by Division II school in, in 2007, Nick Saban's first year. A couple years later, he had a national title. I'm not saying in two years we'll have a national title, but the best class as far as getting the most four- and five-star recruits, I think uh, Florida was just under 80% this, this past year, this one coming up in 2023. The last coach to do that for Florida was a guy named Urban Meyer. What did Urban Meyer do at Florida? He had kind of a rough first year. Then, by God, he won a national title. Then the next year, they were in the hunt all year, and he had a Heisman Trophy winner. Then in 2008, by God, he won another national title. In 2009, he almost won a national title again. If uh, I tell you, if Percy Harbin had not left early, if Dan Mullen were still calling plays in 2009 and not at Mississippi State being their head coach, and if the referees knew how to call holding on Alabama in 2009, we would have won the national title again. But that's water under the bridge. My point is, best recruiting class in a decade and a half, and 2024 is looking good too. That's how you build into a winner. That's how Spurrier did it. That's how Urban Meyer did it. And that's, by God, how Billy Napier will do it. So shut up. Quit whining. Quit bitching. Every time someone goes to the transfer portal, you freak out. Guess what? We just got a player from Ohio State. We got a player from Alabama. We've gotten players from Georgia in the, in the portal, from Penn State. I mean, we're, we're benefiting as much as we're losing. That's just the way college football is with the transfer portal. portal. And NIL licenses, uh, what a mess it is. But everybody's going through it. So relax. Be an actual fan, like I am, of the Florida Gators. So again, go Gators. Good recruiting, Billy Napier. You'll get it done. Don't listen to the morons. Because, yes, even a swamp has morons. And again, is it, my friends. God bless you. Take care. Be good to your family. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Take your, uh, uh, I don't know, take a swim in your neighbor's pool when they're not home. Why not? They're not going to know any better. And do it naked. What the hell? Why not? Uh Uh-oh, but what if your neighbor has a camera? Hey, you might get on TV that way. I'm just saying. Could be a possible uh, introduction to the some kind of film industry. The swimming naked in your neighbor's pool industry. It's a... I'm sure it's going to grow at some point, at some point. Or you may just go to jail. So just stay out of the neighbor's pool when they're not home. Okay? Good job. God bless you, my friends. Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ah, It's a good day, my friends. It's a good day. Unless you're a money-grubbing guy named Nazario, then you just get your just desserts. Not so good for, for fakers, is it? Mr. Nazario.